Hey, it's Mike Halford from the Halford and Bruff Podcast. One, thanks for downloading. Two, thanks for listening. Three, why not leave a review while you listen to the podcast? And now, back to the show. Yeah, still no Mike Halford. Still no Jason Bruff, Dan Richo, and Jamie Dodd kicking off your Friday morning here on Sportsnet 650 with Halford and Bruff in the morning. It's been a great week. The official automotive sponsor of Halford & Bruff is the Delari Familia of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. An hour one of the program, Halford & Bruff, brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. I figured it out. That's all I got to do is just go Familia. Just make it Familia. There you go. <laughs> that was quite smooth. Solved it, yeah. yeah. Familia. I got a huge yawn in during the intro music there, and I was like, that's not going to fly on Monday. <laughs> not going to fly Jason's when Bruff chair. is here. Wow. Here's here's what you do when you're with Bruff on Monday, Jamie. Smash a five-hour energy drink just before you I don't want to do that because I want to nap right after the show. <laughs> I don't want to do I don't want to wake up too much I that mean, I won't be able to sleep after. I don't know. When I used to work overnights, I slammed way too many five-hour energy drinks. <laughs> I'll tell you. They don't last five hours. I used to drink those things when I toured for, for music back in the day, and honestly, like, you, you see through time after another. <laughs> like, they're just insane. They just make you feel all kinds of weird. Uh, two things I already learned this morning. Uh, one, you shouldn't take too many five-hour energy drinks, although I think I knew that already. Yeah, and, it's probably uh, easy to I think the cutoff is about out. seven or so. Oh, boy. At, at that point, you probably your heart might stop. 35 hours of energy. Let's go. And two, uh, A-Dog was a touring musician. A long time ago. Like saxophone or what was uh, it? Piccolo. No, oh. it, was, it was a metal band. It was a long time ago. Oh, very very nice. Yeah. But what instrument did you play? Oh, I was I was singer, keyboard player. Wow, oh, singer. Wow. Yeah, it was a duo, two-singer th- combo. It was a heavier band, and I was the non-screaming guy. I played keyboards. <laughs> so you were the the melodic singer. Yes. Wow. You were the. Uh, we're discovering new talents. He's the Dallas Green. You were the Dallas yes, Green. Exactly. Well, actually, our our producer was their producer, so we actually did kind of sound like Alexa. Oh wow. The similar similar sound. This is just like one humble brag after another. <laughs> this from, is very uh, long time ago. From uh, from yeah. a dog over here. <laughs> So like when you were a- like a dog's uh, gonna be like I was actually in the Rolling Stones for a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of them. They were the Beatles. I got a platinum record at home. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, filled in for Pearl Jam's keyboard uh, keyboard guy once. Although Pearl Jam never comes to Vancouver, I don't know why. Um, they used to a lot back in the day. I yeah. remember in the '90s, early 2000s. Felt like there's always a Pearl Jam concert happening up here. So I always wonder, like, kind of like with DJs when they do their sets, or like, are they actually doing anything, or is it all pre-recorded? And they're like, hey. You know, or like as the keyboard guy, were were you actually? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Okay. No, no, we didn't do any. So you're not just like smashing no, on the keyboard. We, and... we didn't do pre-recorded stuff. Okay. None of that junk. It was a it was a live show through and through. Oh, they were real music. Questioning his integrity right off the bat, Reach. I just I wanted to know. You know, I figured it's a fair question. <laughs> In today's was business? your whole career a lie? Yeah. Are you, are you a hack or did you actually do stuff? <laughs> Uh, just, just keeping everybody on their toes this morning. Uh, it is an ask us anything Friday. How does ask us anything Friday work? Kind of just like the title. You just yeah, ask just us ask pretty much. Top. It's ask us anything Friday. Send your submissions into the Dun- Dunbar lumber text message inbox. And throughout the day, people will ask you all sorts of crazy questions anything. that you must answer. You cannot 
Say no. Daniel in Comox is, uh, is, has asked uh, <laughs> 650, 650, ask us anything on tap today? Can we ask Riccio his actual height? Oh, wow. Ooh. So I think I'll How's say- that the first question of the well, day? No, but he hasn't actually asked it yet. He's just asked permission to ask it. So Daniel, yes, you can ask that. Resubmit asking Riccio his actual height. We'll get into it. Uh, get in uh, some what we learned. We're going to figure out a time for it at some point today. Uh, Jesse Granger is going to join us on uh, what's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights after they lost Robin Leonard. Uh, the Moj. Do I just call him the Moj or do I call him Bob Marjanovic? The Moj. Okay, just the Moj. I mean, you could could call him by his full name. I'm not sure yeah. what will happen. But Let's save time and go with the Moj. But people understand that the Moj is Bob Marjanovic. Okay. Yes. Uh, he'll join us after 8 o'clock. And uh, Kira McCormack, ex-White Cap, safe sport advocate, will join us at 8.30. The uh, investigation into the White Cap's handling of sexual assault allegations to two coaches was released yesterday by Major League Soccer. And uh, the third-party investigator, Ruben Tomlinson, will dive into that with Kira and her take on the 18-page report. Let's get to what happened. Did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened on a Thursday night? Well, the biggest news for Canucks fans. You know what? Why not incorporate our... (laughs) One of our Ask Us Anythings Uh that has already come in. Donkey. After hearing the John Scott podcast with JT Miller, do you think he re-signs here? It's a great question, Donkey. Uh, Guess what? We didn't get any answers yesterday from JT Miller. We still do not have all the information, but I guess we have more of it. Slightly more. And it was the first time we've heard from JT since uh, the exit interview at the end of the year that he spoke with uh, all of the media. So it was a really interesting conversation. Um, if you're asking my opinion of it, Donkey, do I feel more or less inclined to believe that JT is going to remain a Canuck long-term? I would say slightly less confident today than I was yesterday, Jamie. I would say it basically reaffirmed my belief that he probably won't sign a long-term extension. Yeah. Like, so slightly moved the needle in that direction, but that's already where I was leaning anyways, right? So this didn't completely change how I view the situation. To me, it was more confirmation of a lot of things we've been hearing from insiders and also from the Canucks management perspective as well, which is basically negotiations haven't been close. Doesn't seem to be a lot of common ground there. And if that's the case, then there's a chance for a trade or a ch- and a chance that JT Miller moves on, right? That, that's A lot of it is what uh, that boiled down to. It's um, It, it was a, a fascinating interview just to hear from JT in a more candid setting JT is uh he's pretty good about being pretty candid with the media on most days but there are days where he can just give you the old cliches uh, and that's going to happen when you're speaking so often to to the media over the course of a season but um it, it, it did feel almost as if he wanted to to speak about the situation <laughs> And get some things off of his chest. If I'm just reading the situation without any internal knowledge of it all, but it it did I did get that sense. He definitely doesn't seem to be a fan of internet rumors. That's the <laughs> no. vibe I was getting. It's like he's probably not a big fan. And it of, makes sense to every want, day I'm getting traded. It yeah. makes sense to want to have your 
perspective out there, right? Because as I said, Canucks management has been able to speak fairly frequently yep. about it since the season ended. Jim, Jim Rutherford can't yep. wait to yeah. say how they're uh, how they're going to trade him at the deadline. They're going to trade JT Miller at some. We've point. all obviously had our say over and over and over again. The yes. big national reporters have had their say, so I understand the the desire to say, okay, everyone else is talking about me. How about I actually get to say something here? That that would feel nice, I'm sure. Um, you know, he, he clearly uh, doesn't love all of the, the rumors that have gone on since the trade deadline of last year. I don't think any player really would. You know, that could be hard on a family and everything else. Are we moving? Are we not? We know the, the human side of, of it all, but it, it, it's par for the course with his contract situation, with where the Canucks are, their salary cap situation, the new management coming in. It's it's a lot of factors that have come together to work towards how we've now ended up here. You know, we're going to dive more into some of the the trade stuff and some of the signing and and his takes on that, but you know, one thing I did take away just to to play a little bit of devil's advocate is he does speak quite glowingly of his time in Vancouver from just what it's meant to him as a hockey player mm-hmm. to get the amount of opportunity that he actually has gotten here in Vancouver. And he, I think he realizes that's not guaranteed to him anywhere else in the National Hockey League. And that makes a lot of sense. And I don't know, I don't think anyone has ever suggested or reported or anything like that that JT Miller is desperate to get out of Vancouver, right? I don't, I don't think that's ever been something that we've really seriously considered. It's more that understandably, he wants to get a certain number on his next deal, and that might not be possible here, and that might force an exit, right? But to your point, I don't think it's the case that, oh, he's miserable playing here in Vancouver. Yeah. There's no way he'd stay here. He's definitely leaving as soon as he gets the chance. I don't think that's the scenario. I think it just comes down to dollars and cents, and those probably aren't going to match up. And I mean, we have more evidence there uh, from JT Miller's perspective that, yeah, they haven't really come close at all yet. Chris and Duncan. So what you're saying is that Canucks holding back news on JT signing. So media talks 24-7, which you guys certainly have done very well. Uh, Look, (laughs) and JT did make comments about the media and uh, how, you know, we've traded him. You've heard the clip off the top of the show. We've traded him 20 times to Pittsburgh alone this summer. And I get it. Um yeah, we we have talked about it a ton. It's also what the market has wanted to hear. Whenever we talk about JT, the text message lights box up. Yeah. lights up like a Christmas tree, even in the middle of August. And, and I know you've talked about this reach if you're at an event, hanging yeah. out with friends. What's the first thing that comes up? What's going on with JT Miller? Yep. What's going on with JT Miller? Anywhere I go, so uh, uh, what's, uh, what are you hearing on JT Miller? Uh, anything? Anything new? Is he, is he staying? Is he going? Um, but at the same time, would the speculation have gone as rampant as it has if Jim Rutherford doesn't say, well, we're either signing him to a contract or we're trading him? No, of course not. Yeah. Now, he didn't say when they were going to trade him, but all expectation was, well, if they don't sign him or have some kind of a, a deal in place by the draft – that's probably the moment that you trade him. And there was a lot of heavy rumors around the draft surrounding JT Miller then. It's 
it's not like it's completely fabricated the situation of is JT Miller staying or going? No. Like, this is a very real situation that is eventually going to come to a head. Maybe it's in training camp, there's either a signing or a trade, or we play into the season and eventually JT gets traded. Yeah. And you could kind of, even if management had never really addressed it, you could kind of suss this situation out just by looking at the logic of it, right? Hey, JT Miller's going into his final year. He's going to be expensive. All of that, right? You could you could see how it would develop on your own, but then Jim Rutherford has come out and just confirmed it, right? Like yeah. it's we you didn't need to even like, yes. put the pieces together. He did it for you. That's why we're talking about it. That's why it's been such a point of conversation. It's be, Canucks management has been on the same page yeah. as a lot of us, right? Which is that yeah, we either need to sign him or trade him. Yeah. That's a lot of what we're saying as well. Until there's a resolution, there's going to be speculation. You know, um, a lot of Canucks fans in the city want to know what's going to happen. A lot of people have their opinions on what should happen with JT Miller. Why would you trade your best player? The team is not a contender right now. They should trade him to, to get some future assets and really plan to be a better team in two to three years from now. That's the window that they should be working towards, not signing another 30-year-old player to a big bloated contract. You know, there's a lot of... Every Canucks fan in this city has a strong opinion about JT Miller, and that's why it is such a polarizing discussion. Uh, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let you in on some more of the uh, audio of it all coming up after 7 o'clock. There was a couple of really interesting things JT did have to say about the situation. We'll get to that. But what else happened on the night? Canada smashed Slovakia 11-1 uh, at the World Junior Championship. So uh, being concerned over the 5-2 winner yeah, against no. Latvia was... Uh, they took it out on Slovakia. Basically less than a 24-hour thing. It was a close one, you know? <laughs> it was close. Uh, Mason McTavish right. scored four goals, had a couple of assists as well. Are we going to have a game where there's more goals than fans in the stands at some it, point it, here it in this World happen. Junior? <laughs> Probably not a Canada game, but... They should de- dedicate every goal to every fan in the stands. Yeah. This is for you. This Every fan you. gets a game-used puck. The yes. total attendance for the first day was like 1,300 or something. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was for three games combined. Good news. The, the the camera guys, though, they probably got used to like not having a lot of available crowd shots. Yeah. Right? When, uh, when yeah, they they're were just like, the I'm puck. just going to sit next to you guys the entire <laughs> night if that's cool. And they're just like, all right, cool. Got to know the camera guy really well. Uh, yeah, you can't cut to the cheering crowd. No. <laughs> Certainly not in any game other than the Canada one. But if you are one of the few people in the crowd for a Canada game, you're like, hey, man, I'm getting a lot of TV time. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is my 15 minutes. You can bring a sign. It doesn't even need to be remotely clever, and they'll put you on TV. <laughs> All right. This is the best we got. Here you go. Uh, what does his sign say? Uh, it just says hockey. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's go with it. <laughs> Love it. Oh, look at that couple taking a selfie. Great. Um, Mason McTavish was really good. And, I mean, look, uh, Slovakia, not with Slikovsky, not with uh, uh, Simon Nemich either. But still, to see Canada go off like that, impressive. McTavish, the shot was real. His chemistry with Connor Bedard, fantastic. And I started kind of thinking, like, okay, McTavish went third overall last year to the Anaheim Ducks. You look at the Ducks, who've really gone in on the rebuild since Pat Verbeek uh, came on as general manager, taking over for Bob Murray. And now they've got a really interesting team. 
it's like it, within the snap of a finger, Jamie, they've they've almost like they're not on LA's level of you know where they are projected to go right now, but between McTavish mm-hmm. and Mintikov and some of the other assets, young assets they've been able to add, they are on that trajectory. Like I don't know if they're a surprise playoff team this year. That's a little bit of a bridge too far for me to go, but they do look like a scary team in the Pacific two, three years from now when you know the Canucks are maybe hoping to be in their cup contention. Yeah, they might be a year or two behind LA's timetable, right? Like they haven't gone out and made the Victor Arvidsson deal. They haven't gone and made the Kevin Fiala deal yet. They haven't started to turn that wealth of prospects that they have into you know real legit players to help them right now. Uh, they've got a lot of extra picks coming up uh, in the yeah. next couple of years as well. So I don't think they're a playoff threat right now, but they are another team that in the Pacific that has done a really good job of stockpiling that young talent. And to your point, the Canucks haven't done that. And we've heard Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford talk about the need to rebuild that prospect pipeline however they can. You know, okay, they start with uh, with Jonathan Lecker-Mackey this year, but they weren't able to add more draft picks. That is still going to be key, adding those future pieces for the Canucks just to get to the level or, yeah. or or to come close to the level that a team like Anaheim is at, right? In terms of having that next wave of players coming in uh, to help you out on the cheap when you are actually ready for to contend for a Stanley Cup. Well, they had a ton of uh, UFAs last year, right? Raquel and Manson, able to get some big-time pieces out of that, and that's always big. Don't have as many this year until they sign John Klingberg. <laughs> And now it's like, hey, we got a free look at the best right shot D on the market. Well, not a free look, but a $7 million look mm-hmm. at uh, without long-term you know, connection at, at the best right shot D in the market who's not you know, well into his 30s or anything like that, who adds to our roster today and potentially brings us another haul of assets at the deadline, assuming we are out of a playoff position by then. It's, you know, it's it's really working out for them. And and I'm sure for, for a lot of our Canucks fan listeners, it's, it's got to be aggravating seeing how these other squads in your division have handled their rebuild so well, and it has to bring back some, you know, o- open old wounds about how the rebuild, but not really a rebuild, sort of yeah. happened here in Vancouver. There's no doubt about it. Again, because, you know, let's not forget, Anaheim was a really competitive team when uh, the Canucks were not very good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And now, they're look, again, this is the easy part of the rebuild. Acquiring the young players, acquiring the picks, all of that, trading your veterans, that's the easy part. So they still got a long way to go. I don't think they're going to be in contention for a playoff team. But they've built that foundation where you can kind of see the path forward and you can see how they can get back to being a really competitive team in the Western Conference. And I think, I mean, not, you know, not to do uh, to tie everything back to the JT Miller situation, but I do think that's part of the reason why there has been so much interest in it and so much concern about how it's going to resolve is because a lot of fans see it as a chance to right some of those past wrongs, right? Okay, and not let an expiring asset leave for nothing to get some of those future assets in the, in the form of picks and prospects that the Canucks haven't really been able to accumulate and stockpile like other teams. So uh, a couple more things uh, on this. Um, 
Uh, we're going to get to the Golden Knights a little bit after 6.30. Also, Jesse Granger is going to join us. Um, but it, what happened yesterday, uh, Bianca Andreescu loses her match at the National Bank Open, fails to get to the quarterfinal. But um, I, I did find it interesting, her comment after the match in saying, I feel like I'm in a really good place right now. And, hey, this is you know, one of the warm-up tournaments for the big U.S. Open at Flushing Meadows. And we sort of touched on this yesterday, but if Bianca's on, she can win pretty much any tournament. It's just been so intermittent for so long since she won the slam in 2019. But if she feels like she's in a good place and she was able to push through some aches and pains while fighting her way to the third round, it does spell good news for her chances at competing at the U S open rather than just being, you know, sort of part of the furniture. I thought she looked really good this week. Yeah. She played some really compelling tennis, some really entertaining tennis. And I think it's very fair for her to say, you know what? Not the result I wanted, but I, I feel really good about myself and where my game is at. As you said, you hope it can be a stepping stone into other things. Right. And, uh, and, and that she is first and foremost able to stay healthy, but very positive signs. Obviously, You'd love to see her go to the final, right? You'd, lo- you'd love to see that kind of run at the tournament. But if you are just hopeful about what's next for Bianca Andreescu, I think there's a lot you can take away from her performance here. Also, Felix Auger-Aliassime uh, advances to the quarterfinal, is the uh, last Canadian standing. He's won the Royal Rumble and is now going to try and finish it off. So we'll keep watching him over the weekend on Sportsnet, what he has to provide for our viewership. Um, I want to get one funny thing in <laughs> before we hit the break. Did you watch any of the Field of Dreams game last night? I honestly, I, I, I mostly just watched clips on social media, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So I did, I did, you know, get in a little bit of it. Um, the first little bit of the game, Cubs got out to a 4 nothing lead, held on for uh, a 4-2 win. Um, I, I did enjoy uh, Griffey Jr. and Griffey Sr. walking out of the cornfield <laughs> and having a catch. I enjoyed that. It's just how much more, like, kitschy can it get? It's so good. It's so <laughs> funny. They're going to milk it for everything they can. The best part about it, straight out of the cornfield. Like, yep. We were just hanging out here. <laughs> they were doing uh, glamour shots with some of the players, like, Busting through the corn, yes. <laughs> poking their heads through. It was pretty funny. If you like, build it, they will come. At, at what point does it kind of get old a little bit, though? Like Kind of like the Winter Classic got old pretty quick, and now it's just an incredibly oversaturated thing where fun if you're hosting the outdoor game, but yeah. like really, I don't even care if it's I think on. they're going to have to figure out different venues to go yeah. to, and maybe you come back every few years to the Field of Dreams. Right. But yeah, they're going to have to get creative. I, I, that's that's what I would like to see. The one I saw on Twitter yesterday was on a uh, aircraft yeah, carrier. Yeah, I saw that as well. <laughs> I think that could work. Into the water? Come on, that'd be great. Um, you might need like two aircraft carriers next to each other to yeah. make <laughs> make enough space for the diamond and everything. There was a lot of funny jokes about uh, about the game that uh, were pretty good on Twitter last night. It's a, d- definitely a big part of the entertainment factor because Lord knows those two teams yeah, aren't really headed anywhere. That's the problem. <laughs> the one last year was a really good game. Oh yeah, it was a really exciting game this year. It's like oh, the Cubs and the Reds. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if this one's gonna work.
It's totally just the MLB's like answer to the outdoor game, like the yeah. winter class. Oh, yeah, we saw exactly, the money yeah. that the NHL was making yeah. year after year. We're like, we need to get in on this. But I, th- I think I think it needs to change. It can't be Field of Dreams every single year, though. Um, and then in the seventh inning, the seventh inning stretch, the Cubs do their famous take me out to the ball game. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Let me hear you. And Harry Carey shows up. Not like Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey. A hologram of Harry Carey. I'm not I'm not even lying, Jamie. This is a hologram. This yeah, is like a very in, in the booth, yeah, around the field, like waving his arms and gesticulating and talking. A hologram a waxy of Harry Carey. Yeah, hologram. it looks like a it looks like a a wax museum thing come to life a little bit. It was really strange. Like I don't know what it looked like in the stadium, obviously, but on television, it was like it looked pretty weird. Man, what this is some kind of horror movie stuff right now. They sh- probably should have just gotten Will Ferrell to come in and do the impression. Yes. What's your favorite planet? Mine's the sun. It's a simple question. If the moon was made out of cheese, would you eat it? Just say yes, and we'll move on. I like it because it's like the king of planets. Something tells me that wouldn't give it the respect to Harry Carey, though. No, but this did. This gave the respect. Do we know if Carey liked his impression, Will Ferrell's impression? I of have him? no idea. Not, no idea. Because I would. Have I it. hope so. If he approved of it, it would, it would make it. It was better. funny because I actually saw a rumor that this was in the works on Twitter either early yesterday or the day before or whatever. And the person reported, you know, there's internal debate at Fox about whether to go forward because it's quote, possibly offensive, <laughs> but they decided to do it. They're yeah. like, you know what? YOLO, let's go run well, the Harry Carey hologram. After all, they are Fox. So that's true. <laughs> like we spent the money on it. We're using it. I, uh, all these years, I've been waiting for a two-pack hologram concert, and uh, instead, instead we get Harry, Harry Carey doing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." It's like like a concert in a way. Imagine they mix up the holograms, Tupac sings uh, "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." <laughs> Harry Carey's doing the Tupac concert. Um. Well, yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, find it on. Check Twitter it out and check, check it out. out. Uh, it, it's a wild one. It'll really get you creeped out here on this uh, on this Friday morning. It's an Ask Us Anything Friday. Uh, keep your submissions for that coming in. We'll take your questions through the course of the show. Lots still to come. And what does Robin Leonard's injury mean for the Vegas Golden Knights? But also, what does it mean for the Canucks and their hopes of getting a playoff spot in the Pacific Division? That's next on Halford & Bruff in the morning. Two, three strikes Alfred and Bruff, first hour of the program is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. And, of course, the official automotive sponsor of Alfred and Bruff is the Delari Familia. 
of Acura dealers experience the Delari difference today. I was just saying this intro music reminds me of like this week in baseball from the nineties or <laughs> yes. something. I'm getting Hawaii five O vibes. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah, yeah. Never watched it. It might become a new staple, I think, this song. It's a good one. It's a good uh, Friday morning pick me up when you're like, uh, I really don't want to go to work today. Wish I had a long weekend. Although, shout out to uh, to our pal Sonia Aslam for yes. hooking us up with some A&W breakfast in the break. I've never had a sausage and egg. Everyone, uh, everyone watching on Twitter got to see us stuff our faces with an A&W breakfast sandwich in the break. Real bonus. I think A-Dog's smart about it. He puts up like a title screen uh, while while we're in the break. Oh, does he? We shield the eyes. Yeah. Oh, I, I, did, I didn't know that. I did change it, but I waited until right as you were about to take this big oh. bite, and then I changed it. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you, A-Dog. Of course. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so so nobody sees us picking our nose. During I thought the, I was uh, just on, on camera. It's because Halford and Bruff tend to make obscene gestures and gang signs during the break. So I was actually, yeah. I didn't know that, so I was like, for it. I should bring in like a clipboard to uh, to like cover my mouth during the break, yeah. in case we have any lip readers just bring a ball <laughs> in glove. the audience. Just bring a, bring yeah. a glove, put it on Glove or a clipboard, like an NFL coach yeah. or something. Sean Payton. Uh, one thing I have, like what I've learned and watching some of the videos that we've posted, I tend to like grab the microphone in very strange, strange ways during the, during the show. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you, you kind of look like you're serenading some invisible <laughs> fan base in front of you. I don't know. Like just the. Uh, anyways, I think I just fidget a lot. I, I've got a. I've got a. Everyone like, has uh, their own style, right? Yeah. Clean it up with some of the uh, the touching of the microphone. Well, we're radio. We're not made for camera. We no. don't like. Come on. Taste for radio. We weren't trained for this. Yeah. Uh, Should we do some uh, Ask Us Anythings here? Absolutely. Ask Us Anything Friday. Get submissions in 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Uh, Justin from East Van, Ask Us Anything. Is the Tim Hortons expansion into India going to last longer than Domino's Pizza in Italy? Is this a a real thing? (laughs) Is this a joke? I didn't even know that was happening. (laughs) Well, I would say yes, because Tim Hortons is not trying to, like, Tim Hortons is not going in as, like, we're your new non-option, India. Yeah. You know, they're just—they're not selling like an Indian, a beloved Indian dish. Yeah, I assume. Are donuts right. big in India? I'm genuinely no, curious. This is a legit no story, by the way. Daily Hive had a story up yesterday. Tim Hortons officially launches in India. There you go. I'd be right. curious. I really would be curious to see how it does. I would wager that yeah, it'll last a lot longer than Domino. It doesn't seem as immediately cursed. Although yeah. I have no idea what. Like the coffee market is, or in the India. donut market, What's or the, the donut, donut market. market they for that changed matter. the menu to appeal to the local demographic, or the okay. sure. Okay, I don't know. Like I'm a bit of a coffee snob, you know. Yeah, I hear so you. it means uh, they, they wouldn't be my first choice. Uh, I, I will say though, hot summer day, an ice cap with chocolate milk, legendary. And you're telling me that if you're like getting off the airport in Mumbai and you see a Tim Hortons in the terminal, you're not like, all right, let's go. All right. Let's go. Yeah, pr- pr- probably not happening. <laughs> uh, Chris from Nanaimo, we're not helping him out. If you're on your way to work and you are running late, but you haven't had a breakfast or a coffee, do you stop and be more late or do you suffer all day asking for a friend? I think you got to stop and get it. I mean, it depends on... 
Will your body shut down without caffeine? Well, and also, what are the consequences for being a little work or being a little late at work? Yeah. Right? That That's obviously, if it's a, a danger situation for you, don't do that. Yeah. You've got you've got to weigh, you got to weigh the, the, the consequences. But I've definitely done the, uh, you know, the classic meme of showing up late with an iced coffee. <laughs> What are the what are the hey guys? Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> Why do you have a full 12 inch sub? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, listen, guys, I really I mean, needed I, this. I know I was late, but really needed this coffee. So, I would say if you can swing it, if you can manage it with your work, stop and get the food and coffee. It'll be you'll be more productive if you're feeling good. Nothing more infuriating, like if you're doing shift work and you're taking over for somebody and they're late, and you're and, yeah, 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 and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and That's you're true. late. And then showing up with like you know a sub or like a full meal, you know, like yeah, you so you were already half an hour late and you chose to yeah, stop. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Food. So it depends. It depends on on the work situation. I would yeah. say. I feel like it also depends on the ramifications, like you said, if you're late. I feel like all of us. Uh, it's pretty crucial that we arrive on time yes. for our work. Yeah, well, there's two times, right? There's the air time, and then there's, like, prep time. Yeah. You can be late for prep time. That's whatever. You just do that. But, yeah, if you're late for, like, when the show's supposed to go on the air, that's not good. Yep. That's not good. Uh, there used to be – I'm not going to name any names. There used to be a host in Toronto uh, back in my producing days, and he was always, like – Right on the number. If the show started at 7 o'clock, he would be there at 6.58, yep. 6.59. Like, never failed. He just, like, always aimed to be at work a minute or two before airtime. He was the Satyar Shah of Toronto, basically, is yeah. what you're saying. Uh, much much worse. Sad is, sad is far better than that. Um, And then there was times where he'd be like, he'd call you. 20 minutes out and be like, ah, there's a little bit of traffic. I might be a little bit late. So you're going to have to come down and park my car for me so I could, <laughs> I could get on air at 7 o'clock. This is a true story. This would happen like once every two weeks. I have a hope. There was like, a I host- don't have the time to go into the parking lot and actually park my car. I need you to come downstairs and... Park the car for me I'm so gonna, I can get to the office. I'm going to do that to A Dog next week. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll be fun. There was a host at the old station I worked at that would always, well, not always, but often miss his first segment, and we would end up doing it over the phone. Oh, great! This became a regular occurrence, and it was just, it, uh, it was, it was an experience every time. That is, uh, that's wild. Yeah, unprofessional. Yeah. I mean, it not was that we like, know anything about that. It was a later show in the night. There'd be traffic, and you know, various excuses, but. It was a, as a producer, you'd be like, "Okay, here we go." I don't know. Like in this business, there's not really excuses, you know. Like you know what time you're on the air. Yeah, yeah. Plan for it. Le- what are there. you surprised? It's rush hour. <laughs> I don't get it. Getting your car car at four o'clock. What are all these people doing on the road? This is unreal. You know what? If you're at work half an hour early, it's not the worst thing. Did you guys know the tunnel gets really backed up sometimes? Like, yeah. Wow. Uh, by the way, we've gotten lots of advice on how to manage being late for work when you still want your stuff. Uh, this one, Buddy in Surrey says, if you're late, you can always pull the stop, get yourself something, then get a box of donuts for the coworkers so you're making it up to them. 
Good advice. That's a good point. Scott from Langley echoes Nobody's going to get mad if you're bringing them yeah, a donut. exactly. Scott from Langley echoes that. He says, my old work was if you're going to be late and you get yourself a coffee, you have to bring donuts for the others. Mm-hmm. And Dirty Mike says, he's not thinking of others. He says, the play is to say that the drive through line took forever and you got stuck in there. Then you can both be late and have breakfast. So there All you right. go. How to, how to get away with uh, stopping to get yourself breakfast when you're late for work. <laughs> I'm usually a skip breakfast guy anyways. If I really need something, Balak will have a random <laughs> croissant. Balak has a croissant. A, a, an unpacaged pocket Bal- croissant. Balak will whip up some Eggs Benny for us. <laughs> I got cream and sugar in the pockets as well if you need some. We should have a stove in yeah. the studio here. <laughs> a hey, hot I, plate. I asked about the microwave. You poo-pooed my idea. Uh, yeah. So now you want a stove? A, wi- a Wi-Fi stove and all that? <laughs> yeah. put sneaky stuff in the microwave. Balak's just going to bring in a hot plate and start flipping some eggs back there in the studio. Might as well make like, myself useful while I'm Balak, back here. Balak, do you live here? <laughs> There's a sleeping bag, a little cot underneath the producer's area. Keep it down. I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Keep uh, keep those Ask Us Anythings coming in. Daniel from Comox uh, did follow up and just said, what is Dan Riccio's actual height? So the li- uh, like I, I like to say I'm five six on a good day. All right. So if I get a lot of sleep, which is not at all this not week, happening today, I've I've been five five. Oh, you're maybe, five five. Maybe five four all week. But if I get a lot of sleep, uh, I lengthen out the spine a little bit, and I'm five six. So there you go. You know, I will say five six sounds a lot better than five five. <laughs> What's Brendan Gallagher? Yeah. Was it uh, five eight? Yeah. Five eight. We're not that far off. We we had um, I mean all, we have lots of coworkers who rep you for your height. It's kind of a thing around here. We yeah. we once had a coworker who would like in particular really rip you for your height, even though he was like maybe an inch taller than you. Yes. <laughs> it's like come on, man, <laughs> you're in a very similar boat here. Yes, not like you're towering over. No, anybody. <laughs> no. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that noticed that. By the way. I've gotten used De- to short jokes. It definitely occurred life. to me. <laughs> What's the threshold, though, now that we've opened this can of worms? How tall do you have to be to make fun of? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> At least six feet, I guess. That's wow, so I'm not six feet, so I can't, I can't make fun yeah, of you? Yeah, you can. I okay. Can. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready to agree to that. <laughs> to Riccio, everyone's six feet. Yeah. Uh, all right, ask us anything Friday. Keep questions coming in, 650-650 on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Um, Robin Leonard out for the year ends up uh, going through hip surgery. There are so many layers to this. How about when it was widely reported Leonard needed surgery during last season? And then it was said that the team doctor agreed he needed surgery. And then the team convinced him not to get it because they were in the playoff hunt Mm -hmm. and pushing for the playoffs. Pete DeBoer, like really not blatantly ripping Robin Leonard, but making it seem like he was a piece of glass and that he was soft for not playing in net. Pretty harsh, Pete. (laughs) Guess what? Pete just walked into another job anyways. Amazing in the NHL. He is the the walking equivalent of like the I'm going to create a toxic environment meme. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps getting jobs. 
And now Robin Leonard is going through surgery and will miss the entire year. And the Vegas Golden Knights are in a like I'm sure they had to have known that this was a possibility through the course of the offseason, Jamie. But does it change your thought on Vegas, you know, automatically bouncing back and being in the playoff hunt once again? Yeah, it absolutely does. And look, good teams can overcome substandard goaltending. I mean, we've seen the Leafs do it right to make the playoffs. You you can do that, but it adds a huge element of risk. And I think from a Canucks perspective, it doesn't have to be that, oh, this means Vegas is going to miss the playoffs for it to be an opportunity for the Canucks, right? But if it just brings them down to, hey, maybe the Canucks can challenge them for the third spot in the Pacific, right? And, and Vegas could still make the playoffs as a wild card, but all of a sudden they're more in the mix. They're more in the range of where the Canucks are. That could be a major opportunity too. I still think Vegas has enough talent that they're not going to fade completely out of the playoff picture just because of of the Robin Leonard injury. But it's an opening. There's no doubt about it that it's an opening. That the the uncertainty and the downside it creates, yeah, it it, it definitely creates a scenario where the Canucks could be competitive with Vegas. Uh, so I guess they're going into the year with Logan Thompson and Laurent Bersois. Is that is that the plan for the Vegas? I believe so. Yeah, Thompson played all right, I guess. Um, still, question marks there. And the the one thing a lot of these uh, other clubs have over the Canucks is you trust their decor more, right? You have Pietrangelo, you have Alec Martinez, Shea Theodore. It's a really good top three. Zach Whitecloud was a real positive for them last year. Braden McNabb's not going anywhere. Nick Hag has a lot of upside. Yep. Uh, Nick Hag has a lot of upside. That's a good point. So, like, they've got, you know, they've got a lot more depth on D, I would say, than the Canucks do. But it, you know, Vegas... It, I think it kind of comes down to what Jack Eichel is. And they haven't had a franchise center. I think Eichel played fairly well towards the end of last year, but obviously wasn't the Eichel we saw earlier in his career, and that should not have been an expectation given the significant injury he was coming off of. But let's not pretend like Mark Stone doesn't have red flags around his injuries and mm-hmm. the bad back and how – healthy he's going to be through the course of an 82-game season. They just – the depth that made this team so good is no longer there, Jamie. Well, I mean, even – they had to trade Max Pacioretty, and now I know he's injured as well, but – And you, Evgeny Dadanov. If you could have run out a top line of Eichel, Stone, and Pacioretty, yeah. I mean, you feel great about that. Now, I still think having a duo, a top duo of Eichel and Mark Stone – when those guys are on and they're on the ice, that's the kind of combination at the top of your lineup that can really carry you for long stretches of the season. Like, has the potential to be an extremely effective top line or two-thirds of a top line. And I look at it and say, okay, those two players, again, if they're healthy on the ice, on their game, plus, as you laid out, the depth on defense should be enough to overcome a little bit of uncertainty in goal. But to assemble, you know, to bring in Jack Eichel, they've had to give up so much depth. Like, remember how good Alex Tuck was for them? They had to get rid of him to bring in Jack Eichel. They had to get rid of Pacioretty. Dadunov, they've jettisoned a ton of really good players. So there are questions farther down the lineup, right? And they're really going to need that 
you know the the really I mean the last kind of holdover of their uh, of their inaugural season the the Carlson Marcheseau Smith trio they're going to need them to be really dependable as the second line because they don't have a ton of depth beyond that in terms of scoring. Um, are we Dan and Fort St. John? Are we at the point that we can start saying Vegas's management isn't very good? I mean, George McPhee got promoted to president, and it hasn't been uh, great for Kelly McCrimmon in the last couple but of years. isn't part of it you have to factor in the mandate from ownership as well? Yeah. Because ownership, they're not doing this against ownership wish, ownership's wishes, right? Ownership wants them to be this aggressive, wants them to be pushing all in, and they're matching that. And I think that's something that we often lose sight of, and we've had this debate a million times here in Vancouver, when we're evaluating executives you have to take into consideration, well, what's the message they're getting from ownership? What's the job they're being asked to do? And I think in Vegas's case, Kelly McCrimmon's kind of being asked to do a different job than almost anybody else yeah. around the league. He's being asked to be this aggressive. I still think you can poke holes in the resume. It's not a complete blanket excuse, but it's an important piece of context when you're talking about it. If he was in a different situation, I don't think he'd be nearly as eager to kind of mortgage the future like he has in Vegas. They... You know, they use the the expansion draft so well. And the amount of assets that they got is still mind-blowing. You know, to the point that basically when they made the Eichel trade, they finally, like, they expended every asset they had remaining <laughs> from what they, they pulled out of the expansion draft. All of the, the extra second-rounders mm-hmm. and, and the extra prospects they were to get out of that, all of it kind of came down to that one final moment and you know when you've become a team and your your identity and hey it's it's Vegas they're always trying to get the biggest show to come to town and that sort of thing they're doing the same thing with the hockey club whenever a big name has come available Vegas is there and they know we're Las Vegas we know players are going to want to play here so it makes sense for us to go out and do that but because of the way the NHL is structured, there's a time limit on that. Mm-hmm. And the salary cap being flat has really hurt them in being able to keep a lot of these assets around. And that's why they're maybe not as deep a team as they were a couple of years ago. But are they going to be much worse? That's up for debate. It's not like Robin Leonard was fantastic last year anyhow. Yep. So... They just need about average goaltending, and they'll be right in the mix for a playoff spot. And uh, that's probably where I see Vegas lining up for this upcoming year. Uh, We'll get more into some of uh, the comments from JT Miller. I know a lot of you are on both sides of the fence of it, wanting to hear more JT Miller talk, and others are exhausted. Keep your Ask Us Anythings coming in as well. Uh, So... A lot of uh, the European soccer seasons are starting up this week or did last week, Jamie. Uh, The Spanish La Liga season begins Yep. uh, this weekend. And Barcelona, kind of famous, right? You know, uh, they they used to have Lionel Messi. But because of their terrible financial situation, had to sell the greatest player of all time. They used to be, not even just they used to have Lionel Messi, they used to be Dominant. Absolutely yeah. dominant. It's yes. going back, you know, 15, 10, 15 years now, but they used to be the best team in the world, pretty clearly. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really rough period for them financially since uh, the start of the pandemic. But for those that haven't quite followed, basically Barcelona is 
got a no limit credit card and they've been spending like crazy on it, not knowing where they're going to get the funds to actually pay for it. So they're buying all these like world-class superstars, paying all these guys exorbitant salaries saying like, Hey, everything's going to be fine. We're, 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 we're going to figure it out. We're going to be able to pay for everybody and, and register you for the season. So essentially what they've done, they've spent so far over the salary cap that the league has said, Hey, we can't allow you to register these players because you're you're spending more than we allow you to. They've essentially done what uh, you know. Uh, remember when the New Jersey Devils signed Ilya Kovalchuk? Yes, yes. Insane contract, and they couldn't. <laughs> and the NHL was like, "Oh, hold on, guys. Yeah. Hold, hold on, hold on." And then they had to restructure the contract, and the start of that season, they could not dress enough players to play on the ice to start the season because they were over the NHL's salary cap. That's essentially what's happening with Barcelona right now. So they're selling off a bunch of assets around the club. They sold part of their uh, Barcelona studios. Yeah, which first of all, I love that they own something called Barca Studios. Yes. That's the conglomerate uh, for $103 million. They're basically going down to the pawn shop to sell like all of their prized possessions to try and pay their credit card bill. And be able to register. That always works out, right? Season. That always works out mm. well. Really, really smart, guys. Yeah. Uh, don't overspend on your credit cards. That's the uh, lesson of today. Ask us anything Friday on uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning. It's Dan Riccio and Jamie Dodd. Busy final two hours coming up on the show. We'll get more into JT Miller. And uh, because we're busy through the 8 o'clock hour, we're also going to do what we learned towards the end of of the upcoming 7 o'clock segment. So you can get some submissions in on that as well. Busy one to close out the week here on Halford & Bruff in the morning on Sportsnet 650.